0: Dude, we we had you on like a long time ago.
1: Oh, like fifteen months ago or something like yeah, that. It was in it was the end of twenty twenty two.
0: I
2: think it was
1: November. Yes, that's right.
0: I forgot to ask you to get some notes from the last time we spoke. Did you do that anyway?
1: <laughs> I so, can tell you what I said. When, when we, was that? So, it was a uh, soft landing. Yeah. No. It was. I, I did say forty uh, percent chance of a soft landing. All right, so it's at fe- the time. So it's like, oh, it was
0: at the bottom. It was like October twenty twenty-two, yeah. And I
1: and, I, and th- it was the day inflation died. So everybody was hyped up. It was the day that uh, we we had a really good CPI print, and the market was up like seven percent that day.
0: Because because CPI was only like seven and a half percent.
1: Yes, and then we we were, we talked, and the, the big takeaway. I mean, it was like pretty frenetic. But the big takeaway what, was- oh,
0: The conversation? Yeah. Did because, you re-listen to it? No, honestly, yes, no. yeah. not,
1: I did. I listened to it like okay. a month ago. Okay. But the big takeaway it was, was like, is a soft landing possible? Okay. And it was like- I The said, day
0: inflation broke. So this is- I'm sorry, Warren, finish your thoughts. You no, saying? I just
1: said it was like a 40% chance of a soft landing. And you said, I'll take that.
0: I would. Dude, <laughs> nobody was saying that at the time. It was, a, it was pretty out there. Um, so November, November- November eleventh. So we 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 bought him like three weeks before that. Yeah. Dude stop
2: calling at bottom.
0: So well now the market's crowning.
2: That's oh, even man. more disgusting, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> of the two. It's <laughs> dying. <dilated>. It's dilated. <laughs> How much uh, how much do you bench, bro? Let's oh let's get into this man. shit. Okay. I've been I've been uh, seeing I, you th- making appearances with fucking like uh like T-shirts t- on. You're you're like, <laughs> this is a part. No, but I like it. It's part of your uh, It's, it's my part of your image. I, I mean, well, I, they say,
1: uh, here's the thing. I'm combining like multiple. Put your, and
2: put these on while you say. Where are they at? You here do you calisthenics?
1: Out. Calisthenics, that's my base, yeah.
2: No, you're not just lifting, I know. But no, I'm I don't like, lift heavy anymore. Okay, why? Paleo? I mean, I'm old. How old are you? 42. This fucking guy out of here. How old do you think I am? Uh, you're 46. Look at you. I do oh. all my research. Dude, you, I'm a researcher.
0: I remember every year Josh says I'm 40 whatever years old, like I can't do this like anymore. That's my, like that's like that's like my reason I can't I do things anymore. I remember when Josh said like I'm 38. Dude, I'm fucking 38. Dude. Shut up. <laughs> do you well, remember
2: when I used to say, yeah. "I'm 38 years old. Yeah. I
0: can't take this anymore." Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I was 42. My, now here we are. So what, so tell, what, what tell me what tell me what's your like what's your week? Your workout week. What do you do?
1: I actually put it on Twitter a while back, and I got a lot of people calling me like, saying I was bullshitting.
2: <laughs> like that, nobody could do what you're
0: doing. I, or
1: I mean, that's what they said. I, mean, I, I someone asked me, what, what was it
0: about that you did? It? They said they called bullshit on.
1: Well, I I do twenty-one fifteen nine, which is tw- I do my body. You're not weight, speaking on language. Twenty-one fifteen nine is my reps. I do body weight bench press, uh, squ- or squats, bench press, pull up, and I try and do it as fast as I can. Wait, can you
2: explain that one more time? So
1: I'll do twenty-one 20 20 What is 21 reps. 21 reps of squats with like 185 on the bar. Which is your body weight. Yeah, roughly. Okay. You know, some days right. it's a little over, over that. But then I'll do 21 pull-ups and then I'll do 21 bench press set uh, reps with of 185
2: on the bar. What's the significance of doing those reps with the weight that's it's your body It's just something I made
1: weight. up. And then someone asked me like, is this, um, what do you do? And then I do 21, then I do 15. I do a round of 15. Then I do a round of nine. And that's like a, Workout. It takes like, you know, 18, 20 minutes. But like and that's it. That's the workout. That's the, for me. That's like, yeah. Are oh, you out of breath after that? Oh, yeah. yeah so I'm it's bad. like it's also like cardio. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Time. I do it with like no breaks and I feel like I'm gonna puke. So like I, a cross I, like a crossfit workout. Yes, I did CrossFit for a little while. I push
0: um, up uh 30-pound dumbbells on BoFlex.
1: Yeah, not the <laughs> No, I've Sean seen told me really does Sean told that.
0: me that's what his warm-up is. So I hate working out. <laughs> I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I pay somebody to watch me on Zoom only because if he doesn't, if I don't pay him, I won't do it. <laughs>
2: so you the, have guy, a, the guy yeah. that Michael pays, fun fact, is not allowed within 500 feet of a school. So he will watch Michael work No, out. but he's a
0: great guy.
1: And I hate every minute of it. Is I really just, do. Is this like an accountability partner or something like
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically. No, he, that's his wife. No, he's <laughs> no, he's, a, he's a trainer. And okay. he just tells me what to do. Like, I know what to do. I've been doing it for two years. I just hate it. So if I don't pay him, I will not do it.
2: Uh, yeah, why yeah. do you when you say I don't I don't lift heavy anymore? Just because you got older, or I'm trying not to get injured. You know, okay. I tore my hamstring uh,
1: back in 2020. Um, and from what, what from running or running? I was, I was uh, doing like wind sprints and stuff. So wind sprints. Yeah. yeah.
2: What do you
0: What are you
1: trying out for? I don't know why I do it. It's just no, all It's this
2: pandemic. N- People were doing crazy shit during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. They so. were either like my theory about the pandemic is it really revealed what you are. You either became an insane athlete or an, just an outright alcoholic. Like, <laughs> like there was nobody in the middle anymore the pandemic. You you had a green recycling box filled with bottles of wine or you were like buying equipment and just like turning your house into a gym. Do you cold plunge? I did.
1: I used to – so I, we moved like a year ago, which was a whole other thing. But like before that, we were on acreage at a cold plunge. Had a gym. It was set up in like 2019 before the pandemic. So it was perfect. Good timing for pandemic. Do you see Peloton today?
0: No. Wait, no yeah, just before we talk about Peloton down 20%, I tried to take a cold shower the other day. I couldn't do it.
1: Oh, How do these see, people do it? See, well, I, I like what's when I come the up deal? north like this because
0: I can take cold showers. I'm Wait, what's Florida. the big deal?
2: Just turn on, turn it on cold and walk into it? I slept in the
0: city on Tuesday night and I had a terrible sleep. And so I wanted to wake myself up. And we we had just been talking about a cold plunge the night before. I was like, "Oh, you know what? I'll try a cold shower." I I was like, "I, I couldn't do it." What about yeah? You it could hurts. do it after
2: you, after you run. You could get into a cold. So shower. you could
0: you could start the shower hot and then go cold and be fine. But getting into a freezing cold shower was not fun.
1: Yeah, I just finish it. Yeah, finish it
2: off.
0: Yeah. like that. Yeah.
2: Uh, Peloton had it's after a string of really 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 bad performance, like a stock that's gone from a hundred and fifty seven. Down to six, today it had one of its worst days ever. Down twenty two percent. It's a four dollar stock. It's a one point five billion dollar market cap. You could just, you could just LBO it right now for probably two less than two billion dollars. The whole thing. I, feel I, don't, like it's, I don't think it's worth it. I'd rather buy it
0: than short it. Like
2: no question. Some, somebody will buy it. Nike. Ra- somebody will buy it. I'd rather short it the next time it rallies. I don't know. Why would Nike buy it? If they if they didn't buy it all this time, has the brand gotten better or worse? What are they buying? They're buying a company. There's
0: $700 million worth of revenue, isn't there? It's not like nothing.
2: I'm sure the guidance it's, was horrendous. It's expensive revenue. It's, it's a bike with an iPad, ultimately, a, right? It's a bike with an iPad. And then they have like these trainers. And what happens when one of these trainers gets really famous? What's the first thing they do? Ask for a raise. See you later, Peloton. <laughs> Wait, do, do they have a lot of I can, debt? I don't know. I business myself, what do I need this for?
0: Yeah,
2: I did, I'm not. I listen. Don't go by me on Peloton. I'm just going to tell you one thing: there has never, ever, been a publicly traded fitness focused company that has been a long term winner on the stock market. Don't and I don't count Lululemon. I was about
0: to say, but that's fitness adjacent. No, no, no. It's adjacent.
2: Very adjacent. Yeah. Uh Never. And I've seen them all come and go. I was on the New York Stock Exchange the day. The day Peloton, not Peloton, Fitbit came public. That was a disaster. They put, they set up a gigantic treadmill that like 10 people could run on at once in front of the New York Stock Exchange. I swear to God, on on Broad Street, they set up this huge, um, this huge like spectacle. It was like the Trojan horse. Like they were about to wheel it into the building. And uh, I just remember one after another, GoPro, I remember. Which I think was kind of like a fitness, uh, yeah, I guess, sorta. Yeah, uh, Town Sports, you know, New York Sports Club, Philadelphia Sports Club. Wash, like yep, it's a yep. chain of gyms. Yeah, disgusting, uh, bankrupt. Um, Bally's Total Fitness. I'm trying to think what the like. I can go down the list. I think Planet Fitness is okay for now. I wouldn't invest in that. What's the reason for that? I've never really thought about because this. we're f- Americans, and in the end, we're. We're we're fat, and lazy. How that's, about this? Fifty percent of species. the fifteen percent of the float of Peloton is sold short.
0: So people are making money.
2: Planet Fitness has On a six billion dollar yeah. market cap. It seems okay. Like relative to where it where it came public. see
1: I mean, Peloton's just kinda i guess it's just in that that it, that's the trade right now. It's high quality, long. I guess quality, the thing
0: short, is there's zero growth, right? Like there's they're not getting any new subscribers at this point.
2: It's worse than that, sir. There is a there is a secondhand market for all the shit people bought that they don't need anymore. So how are they going to mm-hmm. sell new ones?
1: They're not.
2: Yeah, that's it's a that's a really big issue at the. Uh, and as for somebody buying them, I think Lulu bought Mirror, which was a competitor. Oh, yeah, Do you remember yeah. Mirror? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's Actually. like it was like a screen you put on your wall, and it's a mirror, but then it delivers fitness classes. Oh yeah, yeah. I oh, think they wrote man. the whole that's thing It's So already. gimmicky. I don't know. What right. I mean- I think they wrote the whole thing off already. So I don't know who's, I, get, I don't know I who who's. Shock in the ear. Oh,
0: look at Duncan rocking the,
2: uh, I like it. Duncan, can you explain the Ferrari news to us before we get started today? The stock went vertical. So, oh, so, so the Hamilton. And it
3: sounded like Ratatouille was doing it.
2: Who is Lewis Hamilton?
3: <laughs> who is Lewis Hamilton to racing? He's he's like the biggest thing in in F one you know in but a like of time. all of
2: just F one yeah. or like all of racing he's like consider like how big is he compared to well, F one is the pinnacle Earnhardt of racing
3: F one is the pinnacle of of motorsport really and so yeah he's the biggest thing wow, Duncan says motorsport
0: that's like si- is that like cinema it,
3: for cars but oh. isn't like Verstappen <laughs> more more sport. dominant uh, in the last in the last couple of seasons yeah but but Lewis Lewis won like what seven eight championships See, so he's like Kobe. Like yeah, Lewis basically. Hamilton is
2: Kobe. Is he American?
3: No, no, no he's British. Mm. British, but yeah, he's going to Ferrari in 2025. I I saw something earlier today about the TV time that Mercedes got because of you know Lewis being on the team. So this is big for Ferrari. I mean,
2: do you yeah. know how much market cap the stock just added on on this news?
3: Earnings, earnings, earnings today. 10 billion or
2: something. Also earnings. Yeah, they also had positive. Did you see the
0: Michael Mann movie yet? I heard it had
2: a, no, no. a larger market cap now than Ford or GM,
1: which well, is— Well, I'm going to tell you, it's that worth
2: uh, $70 billion, Ferrari, right now. And That's it looks insane. like yesterday yeah. it was worth $60 billion. So they added $10 billion today on whatever the earnings announcement was, plus Lewis you Hamilton. Think, you
0: think Ford sells 100 times the amount of cars that Ford Yeah, does? I was about to Just say, they sell like
3: 3,500 cars a year, right?
2: Do you want to know the market cap? For Ford, Ford is 45 48.
0: But uh, tons of debt, I'm sure.
2: Well, that's the problem. The enterprise value is much bigger because you yeah. are loaded with debt. Right. And GM is uh, th- forty-five billion. We coming in hot. About episode one twenty-eight. <laughs> Every week it goes up by like one episode. So Holy shit, one twenty-eight. Do you guys know that? Uh, do you guys know that we have not just fans of the compound, but there are fans of different people. And they kind of congregate together. And I learned today, you know, there's a Duncan Hive. The people that are Duncan fans, they watch. What are your thoughts live?
3: You started that, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: we used to put you on screen. We don't do that anymore, but the Duncan Hive is still there for you. Yeah. Today, I learned of the existence of the Bat Cave and Bat Boys. Uh, Alex told me he he met a Bat Boy today. The guy has no interest in me at all, and got to meet Michael Batnick and went crazy. How cool is that, Batman? So, yo, shout out to. Uh, Shout out to all the bad boys out there. All right, John, you look like you want to get started. Let's go. What, you got a hot, what, you got a hot date? t <laughs> episode
4: 128.
2: All right.
3: Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by Josh Brown, Michael Batnick, and
1: their castmates are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Red Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
0: Today's show is brought to you by BlackRock. Digital asset adoption has significantly accelerated with Bitcoin as the leading crypto asset since
2: its inception. That's right, Michael. But for many investors, holding Bitcoin directly can be complex. That's why BlackRock launched iBit. The iShares Bitcoin Trust, an ETF that provides investors convenient access to Bitcoin. Here are three things to know about iBit. Access. iBit enables investors to access Bitcoin within a traditional brokerage account, just like stocks, bonds, and other ETFs. Convenience. iBit can help remove operational burdens associated with trading and holding Bitcoin directly, as well as potentially high trading costs and tax reporting complexities. Quality. iBit
0: is built by BlackRock, a leading ETF firm with expertise across ETFs and a history of innovation.
2: To learn more, visit iShares.com slash iBit or discuss it with your financial planner.
0: Investing in digital assets such as Bitcoin involves significant risks, including possible loss of principal. For more information on the iShares Bitcoin Trust, including a link to the prospectus, please Please see see the the show
2: notes. notes. Today is going to be a great show. I'm so excited. We have with us a young man who is making his second appearance on the show. Absolutely crushed it the first time. We're so excited to have him back. He has traveled many miles to be with us here today. And you guys are in for a treat. We're all going to learn a lot. This, and- is, this is
0: going to be a long one. I'm predicting that we go 70 minutes, 75 minutes. We've got Ooh. charts out the S. You have a lot of... I mean, you are a chart
2: Charts man. out the ass. That's what we're going in to in call there. the episode, P.S. It's, Nick, Nick, what do you think? Love it, right? Warren, who is... Who oh, is, can who, I do my... Let me right. let me uh, say who's here. Right. Listen, I was waiting for you to get into the dock. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Warren Pies is the co-founder and strategist at 314 Research, an investment research platform that provides weekly insights, asset allocation frameworks, risk management, and more. Welcome back to the show, Warren. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's great to
0: be back. Warren, I was reading. I was reading your latest, not the Q4 outlook, the one that you put out in January. I forgot what the title of it was. I love your all your quotes and stuff that you throw in there. It's like super sophisticated. I was having trouble keeping up with all like the QAR stuff. Who is the audience for this? It's hedge fund managers, um, and
1: our core uh, group is is global hedge fund global macro hedge fund managers. So, I mean, that's a community that we serve. We do, I, I hate to like, I don't want to exclude anyone because we do have like, I would say sophisticated RIAs on the service. I mean, I think you could easily be able to handle our stuff. So, I mean, like RIA audiences is a big uh, constituent. Family office, we also have, I mean, my background was in oil and energy. So, we have some oil traders and corporate hedgers and stuff like that. Uh, I usually don't say and types of clients or names of clients but like Heineken they t- I know that they're cool with it is a, is a client on that side very cool and so it's it's an institutional product how big is the universe of global macro hedge funds um it's weird because it, it seems like uh it's there's a consolidation into these pod shops and then you have oh, where to they're, like, all millenni- they're all at millennia they're all at millennia. yeah, yeah right. but I mean there's I, I we have there's still a good roster out there. And the ones that used to exist, if, if they get frustrated with outside capital, they just turn into family offices. And then you they still a, want the research because they're still trading. Yeah, same difference.
0: What's the difference between the work that you do and your partner, Fernando?
1: Oh, man, Fernando is back end. And I am kind of trying to piece the story together, you know. And so, like, I started out in at Ned Davis Research, like we talked about last time. And building charts, doing studies, building models. And I think you learn a lot that way. But at some point, you have to kind of uh, – you can't do everything all the time. So at this point, I lean on him. And he's way more he's, – he's much faster
2: than me at putting together those studies and things like so that. So if you, you want it. to test something, you can fire up Fernando. And then the two of you can look at the results that he's come up with and try to figure out what it means. He's like Armadouille.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, my, it,
2: I, I can like peck away at a Bloomberg or a
1: Python myself, but like Mike. compared to him, it feels like a waste of time. So if it's anything sophisticated, like some of the stuff we do is like I, I can I the thing that's great about Fernando, he, he is like our secret weapon. I know he's supposed to be here, but he I can give him the most what I think is the most complex study and he'll turn it around. And if he's if he's dialed in, he'll turn it
2: around like within like an hour. It's crazy. Uh, shout out to Fernando. Well, yeah. we read all your stuff in preparation for uh, today, and I actually had to turn it over to Michael because a lot of it was over my head. Um, I think I have the, but you're going to explain to me. So today's yeah, going to yeah. be, I'm going to learn as much as the audience today about your outlook and what you think is going on right now. Want to play something? There was a little bit of news this week. You could say,
4: yeah. yeah. Well, so we're not. You know, it's not the pandemic, so we can actually rely on more more traditional. Uh, forms people are working, they're getting wages uh, and and the economy is largely reopened and is broadly normalizing as you see. So I wouldn't say we're looking at that that sort of more innovative data as much. Um, you know you point to rents. so of course, we follow the the components of inflation very carefully, which would be goods inflation. I talked about that a little bit. You mentioned housing inflation. so the question is when will these lower market rents find their way into measured grants stage as measured measured in PCE inflation and we think that's coming and we know it's coming it's just a question of when and and how big it'll be so but that's in in everyone's forecast i would say so that will that will help but at the same time we think goods inflation will probably it's been giving a lot of disinflation to the effort and probably that declines over time but it may well have some some more time to run you know these the supply chains are not perfectly back to where they were in addition it takes time for the, the healing process to get into prices so there may be still a tailwind we'll find out with with that so we look at the things that relate to our mandate very carefully and uh, as you would imagine
0: okay. I guess just as a quick follow-up do you feel comfortable at this
3: point saying the economy has reached a soft landing or is that part of looking for more confidence
4: <laughs> no I wouldn't I wouldn't say we've achieved that and I, I think uh, we have we have a ways to go inflation is still you know core uh, no. inflation is still was that Lewis Hamilton?
2: Yeah. And that of course is uh, Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. Uh, <laughs> Why won't
0: he just say it?
2: All right. So th- th- here's my take on this week, and I want to hear. I want to hear you react to it. Basically, it seemed like Chair Powell expected somebody to ask about March explicitly, and no one did, and he kind of got like annoyed, and he was just like. You know the meme where it's like no one and it's a blank space yeah. and then whatever the response. So he's just like so, – so somebody was like, uh, Chair Powell, thank you for, so much for joining us. He's like, listen, I'm not cutting in March.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> if you take nothing else away from today, that is the headline that should be in the, in, in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Barron's, Fortune, Forbes, not cutting. I told you I'm not going to cut. We're probably not going to cut. Now, they'll probably cut anyway. Because somebody asked about a 75 basis point rate hike um, in May of, uh, of uh, 23. And he's like, we're not really thinking about that. And then a week later, he did four of them.
0: Wait, you think, he, <laughs> you think, you think he's cutting in March? They're not cutting in March. Uh,
2: there's still a 40% chance based on traders. People think that it's possible. Understand something. You have two more employment reports between now and then. One is tomorrow. And I think two more PCE reports. It's a lot of data. I just, I'm telling you, it's not off the table. But there's not going
0: to be any surprises in the data. He knows where the data is going. It's trending in the no shit. Yes, he
2: does. What do you think? It's enough of us. If we've learned anything at all about the Fed is that they know absolutely nothing more than anyone else that's about to happen. It's kind of a do as I say, not as I do type thing, too. I mean, he
1: or do as I say, do as I do, not as I say. I mean, he's he's been saying one thing and doing another for quite Mm -hmm. a while now. So I think the market is kind of catching on. So you saw that cut probability for March. It collapsed and then it it rebounded right back up to like 40 percent. I personally think they cut in May. And and, And
2: yields came down.
1: Exactly. Well, yeah. And you also had the the bank failure, or bank problems right. sure. uh, yesterday. I think that was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. And there was also Treasury refunding. And so I think we got through a bunch of potential hiccups for the bond market. And then you saw people flow into fixed income. And so that was kind of a— That's how I I justify or rectify all that price action. But yeah, I I I think they cut in May. I think it is data dependent. I don't think um, you think March is like totally off the table, or it's still in play. No, I think it's like you know, I think the market's priced about right. You know, forty percent.
2: So Warren, we do this thing in the media. So I listened to the whole call yesterday, and I almost never do that. Never at one point did he say March is off the table. What he says, it's not our base case. But again, there's two months to go. We did the same thing with Zuckerberg. All the headlines are Zuckerberg apologizes for uh, social media impact. Not even once did he say I'm sorry or apologize to anyone. I actually listened to what people say. So I don't think it really matters if they cut in March or, or May, quite frankly. Apparently it matters to some people involved in NASDAQ stocks or it matters to a few algorithms. Do you think it's like so meaningful, the timing, or not really? Uh, if I think that the
1: fact of the matter is they're on the case, and they've switched from well, – the way we've described it, they've switched from a nominal policy regime to a real policy regime, and that was the big switch that happened last in December. And they're, okay. they're on the case, and they've already said – so the big news takeaway yesterday was we're not thinking about any more hikes. We've already kind of taken that as a given, but that's big news. In so, real terms, they're tight. They're tight in real terms, and that's how they're looking. I mean, Waller has said that. John Williams said that starting back in August. Then Waller said it in November, which I think was the key tell. And Powell basically said that in December. Now, I think, you know, financial conditions, stock market, things like that got ahead of itself, and he wanted to just kind of push back a little bit. It worked for, like, one day, but here we are right back at uh, rallying again today. So I think it's coming. I think that, uh, you know, kind of the core thesis for us is that the soft landing – Required three things a resilient economy, rapid disinflation, and a hyper reactive Fed. And we were pretty confident. And if you go back and look at the last time I was here in 2022, I said, I think we'll get these first two things, but I'm not sure about the Fed. Well, the Fed is now proving to be hyper reactive, despite whatever Powell said yesterday. They're going to cut. That's the bottom do line. March or May, they're
2: cutting. Do you understand this mentality out there? Like, oh no, the economy's not bad enough for the Fed to cut in March. Like, what are these people thinking when? Uh, I don't understand. I really don't understand the rationale. Why would the Bulls want them to cut sooner than later? I mean, I I do think there's a. A nervousness
1: around the labor market because the labor market is kind of it's loosening and right now it's a ben, yeah it's a benign loosening as i would call it right now but uh i think they're just nervous that if you push it too far if you know but but ultimately it feed on itself yeah i don't think 25 basis points 60 days of 25 basis points of cuts is, isn't going to make a difference if the economy goes into a recession it's going it was going there anyways, you know. And and if you look at the history of recessions, you know, I usually it's an external event that pushes it over the edge. So I don't think it's gonna be that the Fed waited sixty days.
0: And- yes, yesterday the stock market, Callie Cox tweeted that it was the worst Fed day for the stock market since March 2023. It was the worst day for the stock market since September. Big deal. The market's gone straight up for the last three months. Heaven forbid it falls one and a half percent for a single day, which by the way, we took it all back. Market got back all
2: those losses. You know what else was happening in March of 2023? Regional banks. Like a literal yeah, bank yeah. panic. The other
0: thing but I wanted to ask you so the market, the stock market responded for one day, big deal, t- took it all back. The bond market though. So they're saying that we're not going in March and the 10-year said, I don't care. Like did the 10-year how much is it? How much how many cuts is the 10-year pricing in now down at 3 386.
1: Yeah, I mean I personally think that the tenure is fully discounted a cut cycle at this point in time. And so to me, stocks are more attractive than bonds. And uh, if you think about it, and that's been one of the hardest things as an allocator is that stocks and bonds have been connected, so connected since second half of last year. And so really stocks uh, are – they're all – they're two sides of the same coin. But when I look at bonds and you think about the 10-year, usually it trades at about a normalized spread of about 120 to 40 basis points over the Fed funds rate. So then you look at the Fed's dot plot and what the Fed's saying. They, they say they're going to take rates down to 2.5% when everything's said and done. Here we are at 38 3.9%. The 10-year is already at the, its normalized premium to Fed funds rate. If the Fed goes all the way back to two and a half percent, I'm kind of skeptical that they get back to two and a half percent. I think three percent terminal rate stop makes more them sense. From getting back there, uh, I think that inflation. Alt- so this is where we get into. There's like art and science and investing in in, in market research and things like that. And there are these kind of like strangely um, emotional debates that you can get into. I think that inflation is probably going to be higher as you go out into the out years now you've higher than what higher than higher than the it last has been years higher than it has been post gfc i think so, we're in a different regime what does oh. that
0: mean three percent i just, well
1: you know let's just put it this way the fed struggled to get inflation up to two percent for like 15 years and they're going to struggle to keep inflation below two oh, percent for the next period
2: okay and so what do
1: you think is going to drive it well, number, I mean, everyone talks about uh, globalization rolling back and, and just incrementally. I think there's some truth to that. So there that's a, a dynamic. Re- reshoring. Reshoring makes or near Right. I think a little bit of that, but I think that's a little bit more story than fact to be truthful right now. I do think that um, energy costs are going up. The shale revolution was a huge tailwind. We have this chart that we showed years ago. We, It's uh, the price of oil and CPI. And we would do CPI versus the 2% target as a trend line. And you could see that CPI really fell off that 2% trend line target as soon as oil collapsed in 2014. And that was because we had the price work, the Saudis and and U.S. shale. So shale, I think that added a a big disinflationary tailwind. It's going away, too. That's not going to be with us for the next 10, 15 years. But more importantly is, I, I mean, we added so much debt. We we
2: print so much money. What if I inject? All right, we lose the we lose the disinflationary impulse from from uh, the Saudi versus shale race to zero AI. But AI, I knew you were going to say that. Well, (laughs) yeah,
0: we're very predictable. No, I I mean nothing (laughs) if
1: not predictable. So so no, the the truth is I don't know. Yeah, no, (laughs) no one knows. But like, and inflation is like impossible to predict beyond like nine or say. 10 months out. We still don't know what causes it. <laughs> there's <laughs> no textbook that says this is what causes inflation F- that I mean everyone agrees to. The Fed looks at the Phillips curve. If you do any kind of analysis of labor market inflation, there's like almost no relationship there. It's like, you know, you're grabbing the 70s and then extrapolating it out to a whole bunch of decades that yeah. never worked. Why
0: is debt inflationary?
1: Um that's my personal theory. I think that uh we we basically at think that's real money. Like the Fed did QE and and in lowered interest rates, and that's like they would shoved, shoved reserves into the system. They basically changed the duration of the money outstanding. But when the government spins into existence in a massive deficit spending, pro-cyclical deficits like we've never seen before. This will, This is the thing that we've all underestimated this cycle. When we talk about why is the economy so resilient? We, we raised rates 500 basis points and we haven't gone into a recession. Why is that? It's because we're doing fiscal stimulus now. We're running pro-cyclical deficits like we never have before. And none of us have properly accounted for how powerful that is. Well,
0: Sean just shared a chart with me from uh, Apollo. 89% of consumer debt is fixed.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it always has been. Like, so who? When was it not fixed? I mean, they've. Tur- they... But it's a lot more than it used to be. Is it? though? Same
0: thing with S and P five
1: hundred companies, way more fixed and floating. So, in in your point on that, is just that we? Why would that stop us from having inflation? It's it's more. It makes the.
0: No, I'm saying that the one of the reasons why all of the interest rate impact interest rate hikes didn't impact the real economy the way that we would have thought it in a textbook is because two thirds of homeowners don't even have a mortgage, and the S and P five hundred. There was more bond issuance in 2020 than ever. It was like a crazy amount of debt issuance. So, yeah, rates are higher. Obviously, that impacted
2: Russell 2000 companies, which we're going to talk
0: about and you have a chart on.
2: But I think that's why. The bottom line is, right before we embarked on this massive deficit spending and spinning up all these dollars, the number one selling economics book in the United States, maybe in the Western world of 2020, was the deficit myth. Yeah. And the deficit myth— is the story, uh, it's in a, Stephanie, uh, Kelson, Kelton. Tough timing. Uh, tough timing, but it's the story of why there is no such reason that we should ever hold back from spending when we need to spend so long as in periods of surplus, we raise taxes on the wealthy to offset all that spending, which of course we'll never do. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, there's a million reasons why like that idea is now funny, but that was the book that everyone had on their nightstand in the policy world. And now, three years later, we all know. Oh, wait a minute! There is a limit. No, 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 no. I, I think she got a raw deal because we we don't know because absent the supply chain
0: disruption, we don't know.
1: Well, I I think that. So you so would
2: you really say that inflation was all supply no, side? No, I No, so, but I'm
0: but I'm saying we don't know how bad it would have gotten we, if we if we sent. Checks. All right, let
2: me ask you this question: the fiscal package that Biden did a month after being inaugurated, disaster that's a, over a trillion dollars in public works projects and all sorts of giveaways and gimmies. And had we not done that, does 2002 end up as disastrous inflation wise as it otherwise, as it probably no, not no, like working no, backwards, no, no, what are the things you would take away? Well, that would be one of the first things that's my, fiscal. My, that's my, not bad. My, my point is this.
0: The next time we get a recession, I think it makes sense to send out checks. Maybe. However, however, it will never happen Because the last time we did it, we got so much inflation. But there was also a – the
2: economy was turned on and then turned off. it's not just monetary. It's the combination of fiscal and monetary and the collapsed timeframe in which they did it I understand.
0: My point is I think that fiscal stimulus can fix a recession or end a recession way more effectively than monetary policy. Do we agree on that?
1: Absolutely. So I am not like an MMT basher. Like I – Trade DMs with Warren Mosler, who I I think is basically the godfather of MMT. And this was after the GFC. I had a mental model that was wrong when we went through the GFC. I expected QE to cause inflation back in 08. So
0: I went down and You're the only person who ever said that. Everybody thought that. But a lot of—I haven't heard anybody say my mental model was wrong. I thought QE was inflationary, and then I changed my mind. People are are still saying it. If
1: you're still saying that, then you really haven't—you're not introspective (laughs) enough for this game. You
2: know? If you are still, if you are still saying what that, Q- the, that
0: QE is inflationary, that yeah. QE
2: is inherently inflationary in a vacuum. You know, credit, credit to nothing
0: Mark else. Dow and Colin Rush, especially, who were saying this in 2010.
1: Colin was instrumental for me. You know, he wrote a paper on called MMR, and then I ra- I read a book from a professor named Randall Ray, and I passed that book around to people at Ned Davis Research, and it was all on MMT stuff. And I think they have a better mental model of the world. I think their policy prescriptions they are totally divorced from reality. Colin's great on this because he understands how the world works and then he also can understand- Yeah, the MMT
2: people don't love him because he injects like the realism of why a lot of this stuff can't work in practice. They're smuggling some of those, like Stephanie
1: Kelton is, I don't know her, but she's smuggling politics into economics and everyone on the right does that, the left does that. And honestly, I'd rather just try, you need to just, in this world-
0: For the
2: audience, uh, Warren- MMT in a nutshell. I know it's not easy to nutshell it, but.
0: it's It was what, spending doesn't cause inflation? It's more or less
1: saying that uh, the government, it's like, it's kind of like chartalism. Chartalism is that the government spins the money into existence and taxes are only used to create or used to create demand for that money and basically the the fed and the treasury are all one entity and what the tr- what the fed does taxes is taxes create of, demand how because cuz once you like Warren Mosler has a little and cuz i'm not great at doing these things but Warren Mosler has this little thing where he locks everybody in goes to like a, a college uh you know classroom he says okay if i have a guy with a gun lock you in here i hand out mosler bucks and i and i have a guy stand at the door and he locks you in here and i tell you the only way to get out of here is if you if you're able to
2: give me x number of mosler bucks all of a sudden i've created demand for those and that's so what they'll start trading are. with each other they start you know ultimately they'll yeah. start willing and dealing and that's what spins an economy into life is the need to pay off taxes but
0: speaking of yes. politics i guess my point is that we've learned that that fiscal stimulus is w- much Way better, much Way better medicine yes. than monetary. But the point is, politicians will never send checks again because of how disastrous
2: this cycle was. And they won't talk about Russia, Ukraine. And they
0: won't talk about the supply chains. They'll just remember stimulus, inflation, stimulus, inflation. F***
2: that, never again. Yeah, And I don't want to go
1: too far uh, down the, the rabbit hole, but... Um, oh, I, I would say we're there. No, okay. We're in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, if you look at just the... Um, You can tell it's more than just a supply-side thing. And and Governor Waller said this here recently. If you pull up just a chart of CPI and you draw a trend line through it, and we bounced way off-trend, during this, sti- the, and if you think about it, if we just had a supply issue where supply chains were shut down, but we didn't spend all that money into existence, prices would go up. It would cause a recession, and you'd go right back down, and you'd level out where you were before. But the fact that we've kind of just leveled prices up, and you just know the house down the street is 40% higher than it was previously. No and will be forever. And it just will be. Yeah. we've yeah. leveled it up, yeah. Yeah. and that's the money we spent into existence. So
0: let's let's get at, let's let's come out of this and go back to your your point, which is that bonds have priced in an entire. Easing cycle. So you have this great chart showing that the ten-year has already discounted a cut cycle. Warren, for people that are listening and not watching, what are we looking at?
1: Yeah, this is what I was saying. Is that there's a spread that historically exists between Fed funds rate and the ten-year, and it's about uh, depending on when you start measuring, it, 120, 140 basis points. Where the ten-year is above normally yes, positive. Yes, positive. The, the tenure, term premium. The ter- well, yes, you could call it term premium. You could call it whatever you want, but it's just a spread, you know. And we're at the moment. Fed funds rates five and a half percent, ten years at three point eight percent. But when you look through this cycle and you look at the Fed's SEP and you look at what the Fed's saying, they expect to get back to two and a half percent by like twenty twenty six. It's their long term median dot within their dot plot. So at two and a half percent, and you put on that one hundred forty spread that you're supposed to be at, that would make you that would give you a three point nine percent ten years. So
2: we're there from that perspective. We've already discounted that entire it's cut so, cycle. So that's the that's the market of buyers and sellers getting to that end point uh, on their own in advance and just betting that that's going to be the longer-term out- outcome of whatever the Fed is about to do. Yeah, and, and the bond
1: market has been more pessimistic this whole entire cycle. How and, so? I, I mean, the the other well, side inv-
2: is- we inverted, We inverted and stayed that way. That's as pessimistic as you could be. Inverted, in the bond market, yeah. Right?
1: It, it, you've, we've inverted, but also like— um, we don't have charts on it, but we look at we would measure the spread between the one year, one year forward and the one year, which is a whole mouthful, but it's basically looking at the bond market is priced in for month 13 to 24 versus the one current one year. And that's another proxy for how many cuts are in the market. And we 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 hit all-time lows in that spread. So basically the the implied yield from month 13 to 24 was like 170 basis points below the one year for all of last year. Mm. So we've never, we have a chart on it, but basically we've never seen that going well, the all the way back to the The sentence.
0: two year is significantly below the Fed funds rate too. Yeah, like that's that's that's, that's,
1: that's where, how you imply this rate. So if you look at the one year versus the two year, you can basically imply from that spread what the two year implies for that Where's month Where's
0: the two year fund. now?
2: 4.2. Which so, is crazy. Do you believe the adage that the Fed ultimately follows the two-year like like fed funds overnight rates will get to wherever the two-year dictates they usually do they, okay. we've done that study they usually do but i i don't think um, but it's
0: not that they're not looking at the two-year it's no. the market the market's telling them where the market are leading go. yeah.
2: the market is leading yeah. policy but yeah, so. policymaker is not as fast as day-to-day action in the bond market why should it be so it's, it takes its time and the bond market's been—I mean, the bond
1: market was priced, and it, this pricing really got ramped up after the uh, bank crisis last March. And so, the fact that we've kind of come through that, the Fed put the BTFP in place, and we're and we're all talking soft landing now, tells me that in this case, the
0: bond market was not right, the stock market. Was so right. let's go back down the rabbit hole for a second. You have a, you have a chart uh, where you say the Fed has become a permanent fixture in the bond market, and you're showing that the Fed will end QT balance sheet larger than when it was at the peak of QE3. I feel like this is, people talk about this all the time, like smart people, but could you, like for the
2: regular person, what does this all mean? Like quantitative tightening, why does it matter? Why does it affect the
0: markets? Yeah, the balance sheet. Why is that so important?
2: Well- I mean, the the. Some people say it's not important. Some She's, pe- take, she's taking a picture. Okay. I want to I want to yes. make sure I'm smiling. All right. I'm not smiling at the uh, cutie. You're. I was going to say this is uh, really, uh,
1: this is a <laughs> great uh, some topic for All right. that. God. Anyways, yeah. Um, the it, some people would say it doesn't matter. I mean, that goes back to our last conversation. Some people say, "Who cares what the Fed balance sheet is?" But w- what what I'd say is, you, you know, and Waller talked about this here recently. He said, "Like, there's no known." number for where the balance sheet's supposed to be and but what i would point to and say something's changed in the economy we started qe after the global financial crisis the fed's balance sheet exploded up as a percentage of gdp and after each subsequent crisis we add a bigger percentage of bonds to that balance sheet and at the end of the crisis we're higher than we were at the peak of the last crisis i
0: thought qt was supposed to be bearish
1: it is supposed to be bearish, but we're – it's uh, – That's why it's There's bullish. a whole bunch of reasons why it hasn't been transmitted. But that's another one of those debates. A lot of people, especially – there's some smart rate traders who will basically
2: say you're uh, ridiculous if you bring up QT and this QRA stuff and all that stuff. Warren, uh, the the Fed's balance sheet, for just for context for, for the listeners, viewers, was like 20%-ish of GDP prior to all the stimulus they did. So when you say it exploded – It goes almost to 40% of GDP. And we've since now retraced, and it looks like, based on your chart, what is this? 30 ish? Yeah. 28 ish? Yeah. 28% 28% of GDP. So if you but don't- you're be- saying like there's no magic number or rhyme or reason why it should be a- sp- So then why do we look at it as a percentage of GDP? I, I put it that way to just to- Because you have to normalize it because the balance sheet's always increasing.
1: So QE, they're buying bonds. QT, they're rolling bonds off but their the balance sheet. the economy is getting bigger. The economy is growing too. So you have to kind of account okay, for that. So those are the two- That's the two things we're looking at. And you can see QT, because the line goes down. If you just QE, said it in dollars, it's alarmist.
2: If you just said- Do you know the Fed's balance sheet is $9 trillion? People would be like, what? Because they don't know how big the economy is to account for that.
1: Well, there's – this goes back to the rabbit hole we started on, which I think is going to prove to be really important as we go forward in these years, which is that there's something called fiscal dominance. And that's – this could be a symptom of fiscal dominance. And that's what people are saying we've gone into. And fiscal dominance is when you basically – Fiscal policy overwhelms monetary policy, and monetary
2: policy can't really uh, do its job effectively. Don't you think that's the story of last year? It's looking that way, yeah. You have Biden talking about we're going to get inflation under control. While doling out money to companies that are putting bulldozers uh, out into the field to build shit, I'll put it another way. And now the Fed's primary
1: tool is hiking interest rates. But when they hike interest rates, when debt to GDP is this high, they're basically
2: spitting money out to wealthy people. So well, it's I've like been saying great, that for months. I've nobody wants you. to hear. No, nobody wants the, to hear that. It's but absolutely
1: the truth. I said
2: the only the only way to slow this down, inflation is to cut rates. I'm not even kidding. You said it's a gunlock, and he sort of I laughed. Said it to Jeff. He Jeff. He laughed. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff said, hey, Josh, why don't you have another fucking bacon, egg, and cheese? Why don't you, why don't you leave, leave this stuff to me? <laughs> and he, uh, I, Look, I would just say I don't think that's a really big part of the equation, but it is one of those perverse things where people with wealth and no debt— are now like basically spending like there's no tomorrow well, because they a, have a geyser of money. I've said in perversely
0: the bank. that when they start to cut rates, people are going to think that they're tightening
2: because they're
0: getting because they're getting less money in their savings account.
2: Well,
1: I mean, there's a whole argument you could make that's like if if hiking rates didn't kill the economy, or is cutting rates really going to stimulate the economy? I think it's really goes, it goes back to the Q. That's why I think QT is an important factor, QE, QT, balance sheet policy, because it works on theoretically at least the the, the longer dated maturities, where people borrow money, where the real economy takes place, where risk premiums are set, uh, and where markets and assets are valued. And so that to me is where, uh, you know, that's going to, that's where you get financial conditions loosening
2: is when you see things like the 10 year drop from four to 10 to three, eight. What do you say to the person who says, think about how great the economy was in the 1990s and our colleague, Ben Carlson has been writing on this, um, fed funds rate averaged 5% or something during the entire decade of the 1990s. There was a huge round of cuts in in the summer of 98 because there were some currency blowups overseas and there was a big hedge fund un- unwind here. Okay, fine. But outside of that, in the 90s, we weren't sitting around pining away for rate cuts. It just wasn't part of the story and it wasn't necessary. I don't understand why it's all of a sudden necessary now. If you could tell me the specific part of the economy that's screaming for rate cuts, I'd be all ears. The housing market has tons of demand. You may not like what your mortgage costs, but I promise you this, if we have mortgage costs fall by 50%, the price you're paying for that house going up, Charlie. Like, is that what you really, <laughs> like that you think you need stimulus there? Do we have a problem selling autos? Does anyone have a problem selling a car right now? So I don't even understand, if, if you got a rate cut tonight, oh, what are you gonna do now? All right, you got it. Now, who gets the benefit of that? I don't know who it is or who's calling out for it right now. Yep. Commercial re? Home sellers. I, uh, <laughs> commercial or right, home sellers who are about to sell their st- their house for 80% more than they paid for it? That's who needs a rate cut? I, I'm sorry. So Warren, uh, you, said,
0: you said yesterday's tightening is tomorrow's
2: stimulus. Yeah.
0: Do you think that – so I guess like the million-dollar question is, okay, true – we know that. The market knows that. You have this chart showing, uh, so coming into this year, analysts are, again, optimistic. Consensus 2024 earnings are for S&P earnings per share to rise 12% in 2024. Sales will grow up by 5%, and margins expand by 80 basis points. The anticipated margin expansion is uniform across every sector. So the chart that we're looking at is margin estimates for 2023, 2024, and 2025, and across every sector, it's higher. Next year, and it's higher the year after. So the the trillion dollar question is how much of the stimulus, future stimulus,
2: is already baked into the pie. In, in the form of estimates. Uh, and,
1: and asset prices. I don't, th- I, I think that there's a knee-jerk reaction to do that, to say that that's the case. But if you- th- Yes, zoom, go on. I agree. Go on. If you zoom out two years, the market's barely up on a two-year basis, right? So we are ma- we just made new all-time. time I'm sure we'll get into those studies too. Um, and so, yeah. I, and then, if you look at, there's a chart I threw in there on strategist targets. So, if everyone's so bullish, look at what strategist targets are doing. Strategists are at like for 2024 year in target is like 4,900, and they've
0: that's love up. the chart. We used this on, we used this a few weeks ago.
1: Okay, well, that's up from the start of the year. And so, the start of the year, it started year was 4,833. And there's another chart that goes with this. I don't, I doubt you've shown it before, but it's if you look at the equity performance whenever this strategist targets are within five percent of the S P and p 500. Rip, no? Yeah, rip. I mean, so what
0: you're showing, so I want, so what we're showing for the people that are listening is we're looking at the strategist forecast divided by, compared to the s and 500. And normally, strategists expect the market to be higher, not lower. And right now they're basically in line, which tells you that they're not expecting a lot. So I totally agree with you. I think what I just threw out is how much is baked in. I feel like that's the type of thing that somebody has been saying for the last 10 years who never makes any money. For sure. Is, it's already priced
2: in. It's priced in. Hey, yeah. Hey, I, I, mean, I even know the guys that keep saying it.
0: They've been saying it forever.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not priced in. That's what I'm trying to say with this chart. And what I've been trying to say is that there's a lot, there's going to be a chase. The the average over time, this is career risk. These guys are going to raise their targets. It's going or to Or get happen. fired. Yeah. Or unless the market has an imminent collapse, which I don't think, you know, you're 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 really trying to win the lot of it. If the that. Fed
2: follows the two the two year the strategist follows the 200-day moving average of the S&P. Yeah, that's a good – So if it's way above where your year-end target is and it's August, you could either double down or or you could say, you know what? My wife kind of likes the house in uh, West Hampton and uh, I actually – I'm going to go 49.50 S&P this year. I don't know. That's the mental math that goes into I, – I don't mean to demean every strategist or – you, you know, say it's all career risk, but there's a huge element of that to getting a price target. Yeah, I mean, look at the chart. I mean, they basically follow it. They
1: try and stay six percent above. You where can the market see the chase is. in yeah. the
2: chart. Yeah, it's I mean, as clear and, as. And we have
1: a version of this that goes back thirty something years, and it's the same pattern over time. And, and
2: they try; they always are about six percent above. Now, the market. when people will make fun of strategists and they'll show this chart, I'll say, "Well, what do you want them to do? We're going to be contrarian twenty four seven, like." I, In the end, they're trying to give investors guidance and a framework for how to view what's going on in the market. Well, the big money is made when consensus is wrong, but consensus
0: is usually right. Well, I think that's so. That's a little bit of that's true
1: when consensus is bearish. I've actually done this with like the AAII and the Senate. So nothing's stuff.
0: more bullish than when everyone's bearish.
1: Exactly. But if everyone's yeah. bullish, that's not necessarily
2: bearish. Right. It doesn't work the same I've way. I've done this with
0: the AAI, you said?
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. S- so so uh, does that with uh, specifically strategists. Yeah. And it's as yeah. reliable as anything. So she you learn a
0: lot more when everyone is pessimistic yes. versus yes. when everyone is. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So we're going to do a lot more on the market. But before we get there, I just want to do one more thing on the economy that you wrote. Um, you said for soft landing dreamers, the loosening of recent months is picture perfect. So walk us through this chart that's on the screen.
1: So there are, on the on the screen there are four lines and we we centered this all on uh May of 2023. That's when the jolts job openings number peaked. And so uh, what we're doing is we're looking at what has happened in the labor economy since jolts the job opening number peak. So job openings are down 2.5 million. We've seen payrolls, jobs growth of 5 million. And we've seen the labor force expand by 4 million. Uh, all the t- while the red line, uh, is continuing claims is flat. <sighs> is Could it
0: get any better?
1: No, this is perfect. And if you go back, we don't have the chart here, but if you compare it to the other cycles, this is not a thing like a recession. It doesn't look a thing like a recession. So basically when jolts are, when job openings peaked in 07, uh, you saw payrolls come down right with it and claims almost commensurate with jolts. So um, even
0: next post, how do you explain the strength of the economy?
1: Um, I think it's the power of fiscal spending and the deficits that we're running right now. And and
2: we've all underestimated. I, th- I throw demographics in. W- how do, wait, wait, Everybody's 29 years old going into this. Now they're all 32. What do you do? <laughs> Everybody's 29. It's the most common age to be going into the pandemic was 29, and now the, the most common age to be in the United States is 32. What do you do between the years of 29 and 32? What do you do? You Spend. get pregnant, you get pregnant again, you buy a house, we finance a house. Uh, you get promoted at work, make more. I mean, I'm not saying it like most things, something of this magnitude probably requires multiple variables to explain it. I think it's an underrated piece of the puzzle. The other thing is historically you've had a demographic handoff. The boomers are not going to die that way, the way that their parents died. It's just not going to go that way. And not only are they not going to die, they're also not going to sell their assets. And you could take my word for it because I manage four and a half billion of them. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, most of our clients are not going to spend it all and then and then die. They're giving the money away they while they're they alive. They can't spend it. They can't spend it. It's growing faster. People with money can't spend can it. And they can spend it. So what are they doing? They're making sure that the next generation can enjoy it so that they can watch that generation enjoy it. It's not like, oh, if you're reading this, I've passed away. (laughs) Here's your inheritance. Nobody is doing, we don't know anyone doing that. We have thousands of clients. So that element, I think it doesn't look like previous cycles, uh, demographic cycles. Again, it's one variable, but it's a big part of the story. We're talking about what's the $70 trillion that has to be handed from boomers. And we think it's going to be linear. Like they're all going to pass away in the same three-year period. And, and and leave it in their will. None of that is going on. And the third component of that same story is the propensity and willingness to borrow against securities portfolios. Again, there, there have always been securities-based lending, always. However, never in these numbers and the multiplier effect on securities-based lending. Go pull up a chart of Brunswick. They make every popular type of boat you've ever seen. I think they make Sea Ray... Mm-hmm. I don't know the maybe crown line. I'm not sure. Not, that's not a recessionary chart. When the the leading publicly traded boat manufacturer looks like that. Ferrari. You have to say, well, maybe it's different this time with demography and maybe all of these fairy tales I was told by Harry Dent about what would happen when the boomers turn 70 is not really how this is going to go. So I think I think these things are get lost in the shuffle, but they're important. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with
1: anything there. I mean, we talked about that there is a housing shortage back in 2021 when we same said, story. Look, right, it's it, and that is a lot of that on the demand side. That's demographics and delayed household formation from millennials,
2: and that's you know, eventually and, that happens. And these homes, half of them are being bought in cash. How is that possible? That's not millennials. Yeah. That's buying money, in cash.
0: But the problem that's is that's my story.
2: Everything that Josh is saying, none of that is in You can tell me it's all priced in. None of <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> None of that is in any of the historical data. So you could run models until you're blue in the face and you won't pick up on this current dynamic. Yeah, and that's why I always say this is like
1: kind of art and science. And there's only so many cycles. Like we're talking soft landing. There's been like we count four soft landings historically going back. I mean, that's, you know, that's the first thing anyone says to me. I think it's kind of like a little bit of like that, you know, you talk about memes, like the mid midwit meme is like, oh, what's your in count on that? Well, what's your in count on recession? Midwit
0: is it's priced in. Everything is
1: Everything's like, priced you know, in. it's like, of course, we all that's like table stakes. We all know there's not a lot of data to work with. We get it. We get it. But this is what it says.
0: Yeah. Uh, so getting back to this idea that the Russell 2000 obviously is more sensitive to interest rate moves, you have a chart showing the daily reaction to the direction of interest rate changes since the middle of last year, and it's it's significant. So when Wait, what's
2: purple? What's what's green?
0: when? Here, Warren, you you explain your chart.
2: Okay. So the
1: we have S and P 500, S and P 500 equal weight, Russell 2000, in the mid caps. The blue bars are the average daily return for these four uh indexes when uh rates are up. Oh, that's great. And purple bars are average daily returns for these indexes when the rate when rates are down on a one day basis.
2: One day. Just okay. the average daily So basis the knee-jerk return. reaction to rates going up is all of these stocks down to varying degree. And then vice versa on days rates fall. But especially smaller up. stocks. Yeah. And- that's just banks, dude. What do you mean? That's just uh, overrepresentation of financials in the Russell two thousand. That's the whole story. You think so? Yeah, has nothing to do with cap size. Nobody cares about that. If you go, so you think Russell growth? Oh, well, of you course, think it Russell does. Cap versus banks. No, if
0: you if you take out the banks, it'll be the same. Yeah, thing. it
2: will be. If you do you think Russell, so?
0: yes, pull up
2: Russell growth and see what it's done. Where's uh, Fernando? Can I don't tell him, tell <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it is cap size. I well, here's an- right. here's another good thing. So that wait, you- wait. So, but this is a function of. The borrowing, the the need to borrow that small caps disproportionately have relative to large caps. I mean, think that's a good theory. I, no,
0: it's no, it's real. Ninety percent of S five hundred debt is long term fixed. With the Russell two thousand, I think it's like fifty percent. So they are much more exposed to wait, the current rate else, environment.
2: What else would it be? I, I mean,
1: I have no idea. I I think it's just an interesting kind of uh, way things are being priced. I think a little bit of just like it's also to me. It goes back to you said, who's
2: screaming for a cut in this yeah. environment? Uh, well, these are the names that you'll see it first. In this environment,
0: right, yeah. mega cap stocks are, are money good. They're basically they, the, the spread of a treasury bonds is nothing.
2: Oh, you know who's screaming for a cut? New York New York Community Bank. Yes, exactly. There's <laughs> we'll, a few we'll people screaming point. for a cut. just probably in the Russell uh, 2000. You have a great
0: chart, a great chart showing that S and P 500 stocks are attempting to break out of their relationship. With yield, so you've got a chart of the ten year and the S P five hundred, and you've got a scatter plot. And for a lot of twenty twenty two, these traded very much in line. And recently, recently, uh, it's not the case. Yeah,
1: that's to me. That's a really bullish thing. So our our idea is that our base case is we're having a soft landing. That the first Fed cut is in May. Um, going back to those three ingredients: resilient economy, rapid disinflation, hyperreactive Fed. We think that's all in place, and that's the base case. So May they cut? If you go back to those four soft landings, we can identify stocks rally 10% in the six months leading up to the first Fed cut. That takes us to like S&P 5,200 on May 1st, which is when the next when the, the first Fed cut would be. I mean, of course, there are a lot of things that go wrong, and this is like targets are only worth the paper they're printed on. But I think that's a good framework. That's our framework and you can look at what's happening in the rates market and you can basically see a path to that because we've had this earlier price action where rates have gone from 3.8 to 4.2 until recently, or uh, until just the last couple of days, and the S&P 500 has hung out there. It's broken out to new all-time highs. It's gotten into, like, plus Right, it's, it's
2: it's changing the pattern.
1: Right. So now if rates... Now, what you, this is how you would control for it. So if rates pull back, let's say the 10-year goes to 3.5, that's when the S&P 500, I think... Should advance. Yes. Would take that, make that really when big When you run.
2: talk to a macro hedge fund, a hedge fund that utilized macroeconomic in- inputs and they're more on the bearish side what's their pushback to that story this the bear case has kind of been obliterated but it 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 feels a little bit like
1: i'm uh you had you had neil dud on uh last yeah, time, yeah. shout and, out to and, neil and, yeah and he he's really great we, i feel like i i followed him to a conference and California this year. So we've been kind of following each other, okay. but he, um, he said he doesn't like indicator macro and it kind of does come down to indicator macro where it's like, Hey, yield curve is inverted. Remember that? Yeah. He doesn't like any of your stuff. <laughs> I, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no, but, but wait, wait, what do you mean by I that? I mean, indicator macro is something that like, that you would hear from a bear. So what is like okay. a bear case is like, well, it yield curves inverted. We've never had a soft lane when the yield curves inverted. I get it. You know, you can look at things like,
2: uh, then ref- you just show them my chart of the boats. That's right. I mean, uh, it's hard to argue, right? It's
0: so, Warren, uh, presumably, Fernando made a really sick chart. I've never seen this before. All time highs are not bearish. I mean, we've 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 said that a million times. Been saying it. We'll say that forever. You have a chart showing the average performance in the year following a new all time high. After a prolonged period of time without an all-time high. This is crazy. And
2: this is— Nobody would guess that it looks like this.
0: This is absolute eye candy. So walk the audience through what we're looking at here.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's this knee-jerk response, like you said. And I have this. I'm a pessimist. And I think part of this is knowing yourself. So, like, I'm pessimistic at heart. And so you have to kind of, like, do studies like this to teach yourself— to get out of that pessimism, and, and can that, you, dude?
0: Everyone I, is instinctively bearish at all-time highs because if you're, you're like, what's yes. what's what's, what's going to drop? You're
1: constantly looking around yeah. for what shoes going to drop. Well, no, you say this is
2: too good. It can't. Yeah, this can't, it can't last. last. Look, it's not sustainable. There's some
1: people who are you. You have a lot of like the positive people who come on your show. They're always positive, positive. and in some ways, I wish I could be that way. It's not the way I am, and so I have to use the data. To kind of coax myself out of this pessimism, and
2: this chart, it, it kind of goes to. So that this point. chart, we'll describe this. This what you're saying here, and you're going out 250 days from a high. It literally goes from the bottom left to the upper right. This is the S and P 500 performance following an all time high. Yeah, going back to 1950, if you've had.
1: A period of more than one year with no new all-time highs. You make a new all-time high. What happens next? And more. Then, and, and basically, yeah, you keep rallying. When did we make the all-time high? Two
0: weeks ago. Yeah. Nothing's more bullish than all-time highs.
1: It, yeah. There, nobody w- is. Underwater. But wait a minute. No, this, you know,
0: people are afraid
2: to say because sound like a donkey. Is this a composite or it's an, this aver- is an average? It's an average, it's not an a composite of
1: all the cases. This, this
2: isn't what it looks like. I mean, this is not what the stock market looks like. This is what the performance in percentage terms, looks of like. Of all average line, all average cases. This so is the average see, of all the cases. Okay. okay, so that, I mean, that's. I have a table of all the is the next, next table.
0: So you so he took all these tables and he mushed them together to get an average.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So I, I totally got it. So we'll, let's give people the numbers. So, you know, basically. From an all-time
1: high, go. <laughs> From an all-time high, you're up 14, 15% on average. What, when? Been,
2: for, for one year. One, one year, year on. you're up 14 to 15% And you, and you guarantee it. <laughs> and you're and you're and you're pg in it <laughs> what's that you're gonna pg this what's a pg personal guarantee personal guarantee <laughs> are you co-signing <laughs> you yeah, have co-signing all right. all right all right all right but that's i mean that's remarkable nobody would nobody would guess that uh and there's only been one down case so what was that like, what was 2007? The,
1: 2007 yeah which
2: happened and this is the type
1: of thing a bear would catch on to is like that was also the only time we made a new all-time high when the yield curve was inverted so this is the kind of stuff dun, that holds uh, you. Oh, got a sample size of two. So, exactly. the bank. <laughs>
0: not, and one other thing that people wouldn't guess is breadth is okay. It's okay. Breadth is, yeah. You exactly say that right. 20% of the S&P 500 is making new highs, which is only slightly less typical, less than the typical 25% at the average new index high. So it's not just four names or six names.
2: I've written on this topic. I wrote on this in, I think in 2013, when we made the first new high, from the great financial crisis. So the uh, October 2007 was the S&P high. I think the Dow was 17,000 at the peak, fell to 6,000, right? Mm -hmm. All right. When the S&P made its first high since the crisis in the spring of 2013, I think that's when I wrote this piece, but I wrote about the gambler's fallacy because this is the way we're mentally wired. When When we walk up to that roulette table, it's red, it's red, it's red. Okay, this time it's gotta be black. We think that the world works that way, when in reality, every spin is independent of the one before it. So we're making new highs in March of 2013. And it's like, all right, that was fun. That was a nice rally. Now it's got to turn. It doesn't have to turn. And they built Las Vegas on this premise. Human beings are searching for patterns mentally. They don't even know they're doing it, but those patterns don't really exist. And that's why it's not you know, a rickety shack in the desert. It's billion-dollar buildings, one stacked on top of another because of that human uh, gambler's fallacy thing that we can't shake. So I'm not saying that every new high has to lead to new all-time highs, but what you're demonstrating here is that almost all the time it does. Yeah, I mean, it just shows it's
1: better than that. I mean, the average 252, which is one market year, is up 8%. Yeah. And you're up 14%, 15%. So it's better than your better average 252-day period. And your pullbacks and your your ultimate drawdowns in that period are lower than normal, too. And so…
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only one down year,
0: you know? I, I love… We were talking about this earlier, that when all of the strategists and economists and managers and et cetera, individual investors are bearish. That's a powerful signal. So you have a chart that shows what happens if you're long the S P 500 when the strategist forecast is less than 5% above the current S&P 500 mm-hmm. versus someone when they're, when they're pessimistic versus what happens when you go long, when the strategist forecast is more than 5% above. And what happens for everything else? I assume you're in like T-bills or something. This is just flat. We don't even put it in T bills because I oh, okay, don't want so to okay, muddy the water. Got it. Yeah. So you're either you're either in the S P or out of the S P, whether putting the money on, on
1: your mattress, basically, based yeah.
0: on whether strategists are bullish or bearish. Yeah, and there it is. I mean, for people that can't see this, you want conservative
2: yeah. targets,
1: exactly, because it and allows have them, them to chase like that. This is this because they only
0: turn conservative after?
2: Things hit the fan.
1: Right.
0: They don't want to be underwater
1: for too long because it starts – just like Josh had said, it's just it's career risk ultimately. I want to
2: move the ball a little bit. Let's do presidential cycle. Uh, we're approximately, I, I would say, like conservatively 10 months from an outright civil war. Um, that will be fun. We'll have new data for all of our studies. But before we get there, can you describe what the typical stock market ride is like going into that election – we know year three is the best of the cycle. That was 2023, held up very nicely, plus 30%. How you doing? Uh what's uh w- what are you expecting this year if if we were to adhere to the uh the pattern? The traditional presidential year cycle is considered to be a
1: positive and It's a weak first half, strong second half kind of pattern. Okay. That's the traditional, what the cycle tells you. you Okay. So Uh, not yet. No, not yet. It would be a weak first half strong. And I feel like I've seen a lot of strategists come out with that. And like the least creative. When does the
2: weakness come about? February? Uh,
1: It's kind of like a reverse of um, sell in May and go away. We have a chart on it. It's like it's, it's weak in February and you're weak. basically flat and down choppy all the way to like.
2: Yeah. All the way I'm to sorry. Oh
1: there you go. Um so this is
2: and then it bottoms in June. Yeah. That's the twenty sixteen example. You got the uh in the summer of twenty sixteen, the two scariest things were Trump got the nomination for the G O P and he was so unpredictable yeah. and Brexit. Brexit happened, then Trump happened, and we were just off to the races from June on. Uh almost with like no volatility.
1: Yeah, that's – and so I think that last year was so unpredictable and so many people were wrong and the recession was the consensus trade and it didn't happen. And so we come into this year and what's the – what is the – unfortunately, what's the human – uh, reaction from the strategist group—it's to kind of adhere to the normal. So I want an eight percent return. um I think it's—I go to the presidential election cycle and I see, okay, weak first half. That makes me feel good because we just had a big end of the year rally. So why don't we digest that for a little bit, and then we'll rally in the second it's half. Too of the year. easy. It's too easy. I too think easy. this market is is going to just force everyone in in the first and half. then sell off. If you wanna look for a sell-off, it's more
2: likely to be in the second so half. So I actually think March is gonna be a disaster. Okay. Why the hides No. <laughs> well, yes. No. Uh taxes. Okay. I think uh nobody wanted to sell and pay the taxes. I think the rally caught people by surprise. They didn't even understand how much money they made last year. And they're gonna owe those taxes. And I think people are gonna access their uh I think people are gonna access their portfolios for the money more so than usual. I know they do every year. Uh, I think that that's going to be a pretty good buying opportunity. You said that on Tuesday, January 2nd, when the stock market was down, it's because of taxes. I was just joking. Now I'm being serious. Uh, no, I, th- I, th- I do think you'll see fund redemption data prove me right. I think it'll be ahead of what it was last year. I just think that people made so much fucking money last year, like ridiculous amounts of money, Almost nobody expected to make that much. Duncan, and how much down you your Oatly? What happened? How much yeah. went down? What are you? Are you even paying taxes on that
3: position? <laughs> I'm only down like forty percent right now. Not bad. All right. All right.
2: Uh, I th- I think that this is one of those years. So I don't I don't I don't think it like means anything if you're a long term investor. I don't think you do anything about it. But it's just what I would expect.
1: It's, I mean, I, I think that that would show up as a, a smaller deficit. And that's part of like what we've talked about is like you would see that as tax receipts would go up, the deficit would contract. And so that would make sense to me. I mean, that shows up in that data. After that
2: huge way. years in NASDAQ stocks, my experience, this is how it goes. Uh, you had a flat market in 2014. Uh, the year 2000 doesn't need to be rehashed. That's after 1999. I feel like last year was one of those years. For a certain type of investor, for for a tech investor, an index investor, an ETF investor, they made more money last year than they ever thought they would. This is where the money market funds come in and whether how much of that will be- we're
0: gonna, we're gonna hit. We're going to hit that right, right now, actually. So $8 trillion in money markets and CDs. I keep saying that I I don't think that's part of 8. the equation. Eight trillion Is that crazy? So, although I kind of am waffling on this because even though I think that most of the money is cash that will stay there, I don't think it's money that's going to come into stocks- or bonds. I think that's cash that went from rightly from checkings into high yields. But even if I'm right and only a trillion comes back into bonds or or risk assets, that's still a lot of money. John,
2: can you do this Wall Street Journal chart? 8.8 trillion. So what's your thesis on this? So, Hold on. So this is saying money market funds is a little bit over 6 trillion. And to put that into perspective in the year 2000, it was 1.5 trillion. Okay, so but talking- also,
0: but also to put this into perspective, if you divide
2: this by the S&P, it's not a lot. I understand, but it's still a lot. Uh, the CD is another two and change trillion dollars. I don't think the CD money is coming into the stock market, unless I'm really off to you. What was
0: the meme, one does not
2: simply what the bond market? One doesn't simply walk into, oh. It's the- it's from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's a borrow mirror uh, meme. I, when you kept saying the CD, I was reminded of that meme. I don't really think – I don't <laughs> think the CD money is coming into uh, Tesla. I could be wrong. But $6 bucks. what What are you thinking? I think it's going to – I think it matters. It doesn't
1: have to all go in to matter. It's just it, – prices are set on the margin. If The Fed starts cutting rates, reinvestment risk, all that stuff comes on the table. Even – then I had um, – I think it was Scott Wapner asked me about this and said, well – Gunlack says that's just going to go into the bond market. Well, okay, if it goes into the bond market, that just pushes that liquidity goes into the system and then out the risk curve. It it goes it compresses term premiums, risk premiums. Ultimately, it's a ripple. It's a ripple. Yes, Yes. Um, Morgan Stanley's
2: Andrew Sheets. uh, I guess he's a fixed income PM there or strategist. He's saying uh, we've added a trillion dollars to money markets over the last year quote, we expect the decline in money market yields to be significant on the order of 300 basis points this year. Returns for high quality bonds are historically attractive at the end of Fed hiking cycle or the beginning of cutting cycles. That sounds like a good trade to me. Yeah, Out, of, you, out of money market into quality bonds. Exactly, but that money will find its way ultimately
1: into the stock market. Like,
2: no, 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 I agree. But right. I'm saying like, f- as, as somebody trying to, ale- let's say you're in the group, of people who took a huge amount of their money and said, it, give me five and a half percent. Now, what do you do this year? Cause you're not getting five and a half percent now.
1: Yeah. Lock it in, lock it. You have to, you have to so how do you lock
2: it in? You can do, what could you do? You can Investment do like,
1: great corporates are fine. I mean, I, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, pre- risk premium are, are, compressed across the board. So nothing is jumping out as like the, mul- is just a screaming by, but you know, necessity is a mother of invention. They're all going to move do out. Something. They're going right. to move out because they, they you don't think they losing.
0: are. Michael thinks that think they're, so.
2: the, the money's going to be sticky in money markets.
0: I, I don't, I don't think that people that move their money from, from Chase to a money market fund are thinking about reinvestment risk. I think it was really slow to leave and the money didn't leave because rates were so attractive. The money left because of SVB. That was the, that was the oil on the fire. And so I think that that money is just going to be slow to come out. I really do.
1: Well, I mean, money market funds, uh, I we have a similar chart to the stat you're saying it's not in the deck, but there, 1.2 trillion of inflows to money market funds last year, there were inflows to bond funds, outflows to equity funds. Mm-hmm. So I think that on a relative flow basis, you're going to end up with some reversing that. Somewhat. But
0: I think that you're right in that even if it's not, even if the majority of the 1.2 trillion that went in stays there, even if some of it comes out. Uh Pushes, it's dominoes. pushes, it moves, it moves pushes everything. bond prices up, brings yields down. Then people go looking for more risk in the stock market. I totally agree with that.
2: The yeah. investment grade corporate person then goes into a REIT. The REIT person then goes into a stock. And then, it's and, like then, a, and then
0: blockchain, blah, blah, blah. All right. What
2: does Mark Zuckerberg know that we don't know?
0: Oh, man, that guy's. How to build it, cool technology. No,
2: dude. He is building a fucking bunker in Hawaii on acres of land. It's fully sustainable, meaning he could ring fence himself. In this property with his family, they could live off goat's milk and pineapples, and it's got its own fresh water source. Like this is the third richest person on Earth. Amazon beat. H- hang on, this is like maybe more <laughs> consequential than Amazon's. Uh, nope, up four and a half percent. What is what? Like, do you when you see the third richest person on Earth take his family and and move to a Bond villain's lair on a on an on an island in the South Pacific and set himself up like a prepper? Is it, and and this is not just a regular billionaire. This is a billionaire who arguably is in the center of all information flowing all over the globe. Am I, like, being overly paranoid about this? And by the way, he was in Congress yesterday. He looks amazing. Look yeah, at, awesome. Can we put this up? Look at his hair. Whoa. He's always had that, like, uh, it's mom. It's always been tight. He's always had, like, mom put a bowl on my head and cut it because I was in a rush. He's, he's letting his Jew for fly. I like it. So he looks great. He's got he's got a tan. That's from Hawaii. Um. Anyway— do you worry about this stuff? I've had this conversation. I'm
1: not going to lie. I mean, what is going on with that guy? He spent 100 million bucks on a bunker, uh, which is is kind of, but I guess it's all relative. 100 no, million? Who it's cares? not all relative.
2: He's living there. He's doing jujitsu with like an army of henchmen that he's building on a private island under a, a skull mountain. What would you do if you were 30? This <laughs> is not, <laughs> not theoretical. But he's 30. How old is he? He's 38.
1: 38. So he's 38 and he's already. Uh, he's already at the top of the mountain. Now he's like, what comes so next? He's
2: building an army of fist
3: fighters. He's made a lot of people mad.
2: About what? So, oh, this is personal protection. This is not Lindsay him worried Graham about the army. said earth?
3: he had blood on his hands in this Oh, hearing. I thought. I mean, okay, got it. I thought there was something so else. So you think he's there
2: to just isolate his family from potential threats because of who he is? Maybe. This feels like it's bigger than that.
3: Maybe he's, it's warping Last of Us. I don't
2: know. Uh,
1: he's uh, taking peptides and learning jujitsu. I mean, I can't. Um,
3: What's it? The are
2: you taking peptides? I'm not, but I mean, I had had, peptides. like the new thing. Oh, you're not not going to make it, bro.
1: My neighbor's a doctor, and he's like, he does peptides. He's trying to talk to me about them. Does it
0: Uh, help? The
2: the sponsor of this episode is a peptide. Does it help Uh, you
0: grow your hair back? Because if so, I'm interested.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It's not neutral. All right. Anyway, last thing. uh, New York Community Bank blew up this week. It's sort of see. I bought uh, full disclosure. I-, I bought the stock at five and change today. Good for you for-, for a trade. I I I'm probably going to wait till it gets to three and then sell it. Uh, <laughs> so I listen to the call. It-, it doesn't sound like anything's like systematically uh, systemically broken. It just sounds like they made a bad acquisition that they weren't ready for. Um, but this is definitely now going to be the new bear because you said the bear case got obliterated. Here's the new bear case. There's never one uh, cockroach and with a smoke this fire and who else is holding on to something that they're about to tell us about. It can't just be New York Community Bank. But it, it can be. I'm just, I'm giving you the bare case. Um, let me just read this. I don't see systemic issues within their loan portfolio that I'm overly concerned about, said Mark Fitzgibbon, head of financial services research at Piper Sandler. Quote, it felt like this was a cleanup quarter. The company said, we're going to rip the Band-Aid off all at once. JP Morgan said the same thing. They doubled down on the stock. They said, this yeah. is overdone. A few other analysts, I saw Chris Whalen, who really understands these the banks. Uh, he's long the stock. He's like, it was a stupid conference call, but it doesn't matter. So – uh, you worried about this? Are people asking you about this? I haven't gotten the question. I had a conversation with someone who knows
1: more than me on this, and they're they echo the sentiments that basically this was a cleanup quarter, and they're it's actually a one off, a, just this one company. So it's they, actually a they, responsible move provisioning for for losses. And I mean, I think that this is a little bit of the PTSD still from the GFC that's with us. Like we're we're gonna go from commercial real estate is is the new um, subprime. I don't know. It's all, anything's possible. It's not my, it's not my
4: focus,
2: but time that up. Uh, wait, let's, play, let's play this for you. I'd
0: Jonathan Farrow. Um,
4: for the most part, everything's in the rearview mirror now, so there were a few uh, idiosyncratic uh, bank failures oh, this is, this um, is the CEO citizens Financial. related okay. to the business model and how fast those banks grew, uh, and then the stress caused by the Fed raising rates very quickly. Uh, and so yes. I think as the year went on, people could differentiate between the traditional regional banks and is how well piece? they've managed and been able That's to handle fair. their interest rate risk. Uh, and so of deposit pressures eased as the year went on, and so things are starting to feel out. a lot more normal. So yesterday's announcement uh, on NYCB was a bit of a surprise. I think that's an outlier. The monsters under the bed—it spooked people,
2: though. You know it <laughs> did, Bruce. Commercial real estate has been something that's been on people's minds for a long, long time. What an accent! Do you think we have Farrow, seen folks. realize the unrealized right, so losses but, there?
0: So, so they bought Signature Bank, and that pushes them into a new tier. They now have 100 billion dollars in assets.
2: And it was. They a, also bought Flagstar, and they're digesting both.
0: So di- and then so they cut their dividend for res- and then they took a huge uh, loss uh, reserve loss for future losses in their commercial space. I think it was like five hundred million, a, a lot of money.
2: There's another building they know they're going to take a loss on. That's so, why they, the, the reserve was what it was. The
0: point is, not knowing anything, just based on what people are saying, it seems isolated to their current to their particular situation.
1: I, I, yeah, that's as far as I can tell, which is not, I don't have any, this is not, I have no edge here, but you know, I, I, it's not, it wouldn't scare me off my thesis, any of my, anything I've said or anything I've laid out for clients. And so, you know, I, I kind of lean on those experts in this If case. you
2: were to guess, like, you know how you were saying, like, it's, it's going to be some like outside shock hitting the, like, it's not an earning story, like the bear case. It's going to be, it wouldn't this be the one though, where There's two more New York community banks in the next week, and then all of a sudden, everyone's trying to clear their portfolio out of as much shit as they can. None of that bullshit matters
0: because Meta's up 8% and Amazon's up 4%, okay?
2: You are whistling past the graveyard, my (laughs) friend. That's what I was about to say. Are we whistling past the graveyard? And we've got Apple coming up. You are whistling past the graveyard.
0: And, and, and we are doing, we've got this new show that we're doing. where It's called Great Quarter, guys, where we're going to go deep. On these, on the five big tech teams I've
2: reported this week and last. Yeah, so, look for that on our YouTube channel on Monday. That's on Monday. Uh, Super Bowl. What do you, you hmm. care? Oh, you got yeah, a, absolutely. You got a horse in the race, though. I'm saying. No, no, no. I don't have. A, I'm just going to watch. We're going to uh, play some bets, and the we'll next shoot. time we have you on, if you're right, we'll celebrate. Okay. Uh, or whoever's right, we'll celebrate. Uh, 49ers versus Chiefs. The spread is San Francisco giving two. Who are you taking? I'm taking. Uh, I think it's a co-
1: coach quarterback type of uh deal. Plus KC has a much better defense than people give him credit for. I'm taking
2: Kansas City. I'm taking one. Kansas City all day. Yeah. I don't understand what so, are you?
0: so I'm a very conservative better. So here's what I I place I place <laughs> I place one bet. I place one bet. So I'll place I'll place thirteen others, but here's the one that I did block in. <laughs> so I don't do like plus three hundred or plus three thousand or money, that nonsense. Duncan stuff. showed me a bet that was like plus twenty eight thousand the other day. It was totally wild. So here's what I do. I teased the Chiefs up to plus eight and a half. I teased the Niners up to plus 10 and a half. And I I teased Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy, their passing yards down to 200 yards.
2: Oh, you think it's a defensive battle? No,
0: no, no, that's not my point. My point is, so Chiefs plus eight and a half, Niners plus 10 and a half, Purdy and Mahomes over 200 yards, and that's even money. That's how I bet. Now, one of those might not hit,
2: obviously, Mm -hmm. but I like those odds. Uh money line is San Francisco minus 128, Kansas City plus 108. I mean Kansas City has the value. I don't So put up a hundred uh put put up one oh eight to make a hundred on Kansas City.
0: I don't know how you I'm, bet against I'm Mahomes doing, in this situation. I uh I hope the Niners win, but I don't know how you bet
2: against What Mahomes. do you think the game comes down to?
0: Uh I think that uh
1: I I just think it's gonna come down to the coach and the quarterback. I mean, that's they've got so much experience and you got Brock Purdy who's you know, basically. More so than the de- how the defense is played. I think KC's defense is way better than people realize. They, yeah. I think the Buffalo-KC game was the real Super Bowl to me. I think those are two best quarterbacks, two best uh, teams in It was football. so much fun. That I, also I, love think those, could, I love that run. I
0: think it could be a big Pacheco game. Yeah, yeah, Niners are soft in the middle. They've got these great pass They rushers, haven't been but,
1: playing well. They kind of yeah. skated by in both their—
2: in both Well, their uh,
0: Aaron Jones ran all over them, and yeah. so did Montgomery.
2: Uh, 49ers yeah. are 6-0 and straight up as favorites in the postseason since uh Kyle Shanahan has been coaching. But, Kyle Shanahan is a great coach. But yeah. say more.
0: Yeah. But Kansas City. Uh, Mahomes is 10-1 and 1 and gets a spread in his career as an underdog. So something's got to give.
2: All right, I would I would uh I would take the points without any hesitation. Maybe I'm missing something cuz I'm I'm not a handicapper, I wouldn't know any better. I think that uh Patrick Mahomes, it, by the way, if you're not from the Bay Area, I don't know how you would be rooting against Kansas City. Why would, would you be I, I rooting am. for the 49ers? Why am I winning for the 49ers? Yeah, what do you care about? I like about? the Brock Purdy story. Guys, I mean, I was like, we still living in I, He already, running. but he already made like far beyond anything. No, no, that he no, no, done. no, no, no. People are not
0: giving him the credit that I think he deserves. They say he's a systems quarterback. I disagree. And it's enough of Mahomes. Okay. I mean, He'll
2: get four more rings. It's, he could take okay. a break. Let me, what well, I was going to say, let me give you the other side of that. Patrick Mahomes is the best living athlete currently playing his sport as he's playing it right now, meaning not. His season four years ago. What does that have to do with anything? How do you root against that in the moment? It makes no sense. He'll makes win no four sense more to Super Bowls. I just want I want greatness. I if, love cause, greatness because because first of all, what's the hardest position to play in any, every sport? Any sport?
0: Quarterback. Quarterback.
2: Period. Like mm-hmm. we, none nobody would disagree with that. Hang
0: on, I'm not hating on Mahomes. I'm not I saying just, you are. I want to get Prod- Brock Partd I'm making
2: the, the I'm making the point that if you don't specifically care about the 49ers, why wouldn't you want to see this guy get his third ring? Andy, we'd get another ring. This is like true greatness we're witnessing
1: in the moment. Did you
2: always root for Brady? I've always rooted for Mahomes. I did not ever root for Brady. Yeah, it's, so. it's the
1: same deal. I didn't ever root for Michael Jordan. I didn't. I, I always rooted for the Utah Jazz back when I was growing ugh, up. I but when, when you watch The Last Dance, I was when a John you, Stockton fan. Ugh,
2: <laughs> when you watch The Jordan yeah, stuff I mean, now, though, he's, he's awesome. Do you look back and no, say, man, I should have been rooting for him the whole time? But that's part
1: of what makes it fun you get. At the I'm end, with you.
2: It's fun to root against And greatness. you realize,
1: like, oh, man, that was great. But I, I did like Brady, but I, I also think I could understand. I mean, Brady had Belichick in a defense, and I'm not 100% sure that Mahomes. Like his his he finds a way he will look, find the way he's great, uh, but if you're starting a team, there's a but. I, I would consider starting my team with Josh Allen that guy physically is, to me is can like, you picture
2: a world in which if you this, put them on swap teams he would have I think he'd be – can you picture a universe in which this doesn't end with Taylor Swift and Kelsey kissing at midfield and Patrick Mahomes like being being carried to the podium like I can't I almost can't picture it after this whole season. It's almost impossible for me to picture like what they like sneak away into their limos. I just can't see that's how but it's going to go. Didn't you
3: see Kelsey throwing away Justin Tucker's helmet before the game the other day? I don't think the Chiefs are as likable as people are as turning maybe on them. Credit people are for, turning.
2: Yeah. In fairness, uh, uh, Justin's a kicker. Like, do, do we accord these guys the same amount of respect as he was we, being? Pretty Justin Tucker and he was being respect. and he was being kind of a dick uh, from what I read. I wouldn't know. Best kicker ever. Uh, I don't know. This just it. This feels like it's going that way. So what's our bet? I'm gonna. I'm um, telling you, follow the smart money. <laughs> so what is? I don't even understand your bet. Your bet
1: was. So I do alternate spreads. So then like real you, degenerate All shit. of those things have to hit. But and it's all you But, but,
0: all right, but tell me which way. one of these doesn't it? So the Chiefs are not going to lose by more than eight and a half points.
2: They're right. plus eight and a half. Yeah, okay. Unless there's so. like a disaster. I would, would okay. take that.
0: No, is okay. Patrick Mahomes going to throw for two hundred yards? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. So those I feel very confident in. They don't win if he doesn't do that. Now, not. can the right. can the Chiefs beat the Niners by more than ten points? Yeah, I guess they could. There's a universe where they do. There's a universe where they do. Could the Chiefs win 31-17? Sure. Um, and then the, the fourth part of the, the fourth leg of that bet is Brock Purdy over two hundred yards. He's gonna throw for two hundred. But so why yards, do you
2: tease so. all those things to increase the the payoff or to reduce no, the I'm risk? No, I'm not looking
0: to increase the. I'm reducing the risk. So okay. it's only it's it's um, it's that bet is like plus one hundred nine. Okay. All right. But okay. what I'm not looking to do, I'm not looking for a plus three hundred bet. Like I'm not an idiot. I'm only more. Oh,
1: what's the over <laughs> under?
0: On- <laughs> 0% <laughs> 0% what's the over
1: under on the uh It's 47 the, and a half points. Well, no, I was going to ah. say on the the uh the number of kisses at midfield between Taylor Swift and yeah. Kelsey, we could bet on that. 47
2: and a half points over under. What do you take? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. Okay, that's can be our bet then. Yeah. Uh not cuz I think Brock Purdy's going to shoot the lights out per se. Um i you know what? He's had
0: he's had a rough I mean, he had a great final drive, obviously, mm-hmm. but
2: he has not had a good playoffs. He hasn't. Like he really hasn't. Debo will be, Debo will be in better shape than he's been in since uh, let's say November. They should have lost. Yeah, to the but Packers. low key, I think Packers McCaffrey hurt there. his
1: neck last game a little bit. He's a little dingy. McCaffrey's a tank.
2: Low, f- low key, McCaffrey's a tank. He yeah. saw it at the end
0: of the game where he 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 Tom landed. He, on. he on spiked his, on his head. head. and He never was went back in. Do you think yeah. this
2: is going to be a great Super? I think this is going to be one of the most watched ever, and I think it's going to be a good game. I'm excited for it. I mean, if you think it's going to be a good game, you like my bet. I like your bet because like it. you're because you know bet. more about all of the steps <laughs> along the way in that bet than any of us do. <laughs> I just like how you, excited you are. Very excited, uh, Duncan. What are you thinking?
3: Uh, points. I would do over. Sean, take you, Sean, do you like my over? No. I also. I just told Sean I think Christian McCaffrey could have three touchdowns.
2: What are you guys doing? Your own Should podcast be, in the corner be, over here. Yeah. What do you mean? You sh- <laughs> say it to the say it to the group. What did you say? Three, how many?
3: Three touchdowns for but
2: Christian
0: the McCaffrey. the thing the thing about oh, betting
2: and the thing about the markets is.
0: Everything is priced in. So I'm going to the So Christian McCaffrey to score touchdowns, like minus 250. I'm going to the next game tonight. So when I go to the next games, I bet on like player props and all that shit. Jalen Brunson to score 30 is like minus 300. There's no juice anymore. Markets are super efficient everywhere. You don't see the odds in the market when you're buying Amazon. You don't see the odds. You see the odds at games, but
2: markets are very efficient. While you're at the next game, you know what I'll be doing? Do you know? I don't know. I'll be at Coco Duck. What's that? That's the new hot shit Korean fried chicken place. Oh, how do you get it? The owner of Coat. Are you going with Dan? Oh, better, uh, Mrs. Dow Jones. <laughs> okay, uh, better. <laughs> just Shout out to Dan. Uh, going, going with Haley and uh, whoever else. But we, uh, we're gonna do some fried chicken and champagne. It seems like. is that That's a good mix for me, top. right? <laughs> <So> top. Top. <laughs> this is a fried take chicken restaurant. That I take opened, it all back. I take it, I take all, it all back. back. This, this place, it's in uh, it's in Nomad because of course it is. And it opened with a red carpet premiere. Models, movie stars, rappers. It's literally Holy fried shit. chicken and champagne. So before we
0: get out of here, Met is, so up, Met is up 12%. Is, it? is 12%. What did they say? Amazon's a 4%. It's the presidential cycle, motherfucker. What did they say? Yeah.
2: Listen yeah. to great quoting, guys, to find out. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, we want to thank our guest today, Warren Pies, just absolutely. Charts out the ass, was an understatement. We so appreciate it. Where can people follow you and learn more about 314 Research, Warren? Uh,
1: 314research.com. Enter your information if you're an institutional investor. We'll get back to you on Twitter. Warren Pies at Twitter, 3F underscore. I believe it's research. called X. Uh, to X, sorry. Okay, what's the
2: what's the handle on X? At Warren Pies and then at Three F Underscore Research. All right, dude, you're killing it. Uh, I love seeing you really on TV. It. You're you're a volume up guy for me. Oh, when thank I, you. Man. When I see you on Yahoo Finance or CNBC, I, I'm volume up. Let's hear what this guy's thinking. So I I so appreciate you coming. Shout out to Fernando. We'll see him next time for sure. And uh, <laughs> hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Make sure to leave us a rating and review. If you love the show, just know that we love you right back. All right. That's it from us. See you next time. Is that good? Is that fun? You want to do it one more time just to make sure we do it? Let's run it back. Let's run it back. Warren knows your step. Let's just do the ESP. let